1: Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 19 for October 20th, 2010.
0: Episode 19, we're going to be covering the last two issues of the Marvel series Star Trek Early Voyages. So this is issues 16 and 17, released uh, May and June of 1998.
1: Yes, indeed. And
0: unfortunately, it was ended before its time. It was, which is kind of a surprise because... 2000 or 1998, Star Trek, I guess it was losing a little bit of popularity, but, I mean, the Insurrection was coming out at the end of the year, so you think there would still be enough people into Star Trek to warrant continuing this series, but unfortunately that's not the case.
1: Apparently not, unfortunately, because a lot of this stuff is all about money and numbers, and unfortunately it obviously was not selling enough issues.
0: So even, even having Kirk on the cover a couple weeks ago, or months ago, didn't do it for him. Apparently not. Didn't get the numbers in.
1: Although that is a good gimmick.
0: But I mean, kind of, uh, kind of uh, coincidental. It seems that every time there's a new movie, or every time the comic book series jumps from publisher to publisher, it's usually right around the time that a new movie's coming out. Hmm. So Gold Key Comics had the license up until Star Trek the Motion Picture came out, and then it switched over to Marvel. Marvel had it up until Star Trek II came out, and then it switched over to DC. And then DC had it for her until uh, until Star Trek six, and then it switched back over to Marvel. And then now it's about to Marvel's about to lose it uh, right before Star Trek Insurrection. Mm. And then it just kind of jumps all over for a little bit until IDW gets it. Uh, what 2009, 2008, right before the new movie came out.
1: Right, it's all part of the media game, my friend. Cross yeah, marketing.
0: But at least it keeps jumping around, and it doesn't just become dead for. Forever.
1: Exactly. And thank Lord, the movies start up again.
0: So you want to just jump straight into the synopsis for issue number 16? I
1: would love to. Issue cool. number 16 named Thanatos. Okay, so um, I'm not going to go over to all the creative team again, except to say that we have a new penciler, Javier Pulido. Uh, no more Patrick Zercher or the other uh, people that were guest pencilers. We have Javier in here doing the uh, the penciling duties, which I have some comments at the end on that, as I believe you do too, because it is quite different from what uh, the, the visual look that we're used to so far.
0: Yeah, it's quite different for uh, a Star Trek comic. They actually took it in kind of a different direction. Yep.
1: Okay, the cover shows a long-haired man facing a gorgeous woman in an I Dream of Jeannie outfit. Both have alien-looking bumps on their foreheads and they are looking ready for love. But all is not as peachy as it appears. The word warning is prominently placed above their heads with two helpful arrows with text telling us the man is Captain Pike and the woman is a Klingon. The dangers of going undercover on an alien world is apparently what this issue is
0: about. I did not... I forgot about those little arrows, so later on when that's revealed that she's a Klingon... I actually was surprised, oh really? Oh. yeah, because I, I guess I didn't read the cover.
1: well, actually, that's good. I mean i uh, i I think we've mentioned this on other uh, issues we've had where we've had spoilers right right on the cover, but uh, that that's definitely a big spoiler on this one.
0: yeah, that's actually pretty funny because I, I did not uh, did not know that while I was reading it. that's that's yeah. great.
1: actually, you probably read it better. I mean, for you, it was better uh, i in my opinion. I think a lot of times they come up with these covers at the end, after the story's been written. Because there's definitely nothing in the story... I mean, definitely it seems like the story wants you to be surprised when it's revealed she's a Klingon. Uh, But obviously that's ruined by the cover. Okay, the next two pages introduce the comic series and bring the reader up to date on what happened in the immediately preceding story arc, uh, which we all covered in the last uh, Star Trek comic book review episode. Um... Issue number sixteen story begins with the attractive lady from the cover leaning with her back against a large building column with a knowing smile on her face. Her thoughts are presented in text boxes. She is happy. He has come into the temple today. She notices he carries himself with authority and is dressed like a nobleman. The title of the issue is presented on the lower left of the full-page panel. Thanatos. The next two page spread shows Pike and Doctor Boyce in a disguise, moving through a crowded temple. Boyce notices that the hot alien chick, who was checking Captain Pike out, or is ch- is checking Captain Pike out, he says so, and Pike's, and Pike pooh-poohs it, and says that they are here uh, at the temple on business. A high priest on a high platform, holding a dangerous-looking staff in in the air calls to their gods named Thanatos, who is apparently a bloody god of war. After the eight-hour church service, Pike, Boyce, and Spock walk out of the temple and and onto huge steps. They talk about Pike's previous time on the planet, and that the team's observation that concluded that the Tamazi are a people not to be taken lightly. They also disclose at least part of their mission uh, which seeks to locate disguised Klingons and stop their nefarious plans, whatever they are. The hot chick appears to be observing them from a distance. Can she hear their conversation? Meanwhile, Meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, Admiral April is making a log entry in which he states how good it is to be back on the Enterprise, which was his favorite command. He wonders if he should have ever left. Then he talks about the potential lack of drive he observes in number one, based on her taking a pass on the recent command she was offered. He goes on to see flaws in virtually all of the senior staff, and says they need a strong hand to bring them all to heel that he will provide. The other shoe drops, and he exposes his intentions to take back command of the Enterprise. This is, a, is this a short or long-term goal of April's? Number one reports they have reached the coordinates April requested. The Admiral calls the senior staff to meet him in the conference room and puts the ship on yellow alert. As he leaves the bridge, he tells crewman Mohindas to scan for hostiles of the Klingon variety. In the conference room, April describes Pike's secret mission on, homeworld, on the Tamazi homeworld to stop a rogue Klingon house from obtaining advanced alien weaponry that was allegedly left with the Tamazi a millennia ago by an advanced alien race. The pre-industrial Tamazi took the ancient visitors as gods and continued to worship them to this day. The Tamazi also immediately slaughter any aliens other than their good aliens that attempt to contact them. The Enterprise's mission is to, con- it is to extract the undercover team if they get into trouble, and if required, fight any Klingons they run into. April says he will get the Enterprise ready to fight any Klingon threat. Back on on the Tamazi homeworld, Boyce is walking through the marketplace looking for traces of Klingons and thinking about a piece of news he was given just before they left for the planet that he is keeping to himself for the time being, even from Captain Pike. Spock, too, is on his Klingon hunt, using logic, as always. The Captain's search is interrupted by the hot bikini woman whose name turns out to be Carathea. She states he looks like he's from out of town and offers her services as guide. Though tempted, Pike sticks to his mission and takes a pass on her offer. She takes it well and they part company. Carathea walks to a nearby building that she enters and meets up with her Klingon partners in crime. She removes her wig and headpiece to display that she too is a Klingon agent. She states to her old friend, or our old friend, Kaj, that she thinks the young nobleman is the key to get inside of the shrine's inner sanctum. Back on the Enterprise, Joe is speaking to Engineer Grace, who is complaining about his new assistant, Samson, who he says is an arrogant cuss who is full of himself. Joe stops his defense of Samson when he notices that Samson is making time with his girl, Yolman Coat. Colt. They almost come to blows when the red alert sounds. On the bridge, a Stoic Admiral April and Number One are facing two oncoming Klingon battlecruisers. Meanwhile, back on the Tomasi homeworld, Carathea and her Klingon companions are at the temple searching for her young nobleman, Pike. When she points the captain out, Kaj recognizes him immediately, and in a furious rage, attacks Pike with a dektage, a Klingon knife. Though attacked from behind, Pike is able to spin around and avoid the blade attack. Pike's attempts to reason with with Kaj are in vain, so Pike cocks him with a mighty right cross. The issue ends with Pike, Kaj, and their teams being descended upon by five or more huge temple guards who are making it clear that they recognize them as aliens and that they will die.
0: The end. Next issue, Nemesis, which came out way before the movie Nemesis. Indeed. Real quick, the warriors there on that last page? Yep. Don't they look like uh, predators from the movie Predator? They're Uh, with the mask and then they kind of have the dreadlock hair.
1: Yeah, 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 they kind of do, now that you mention it.
0: Yeah, and they are big dudes, I must say. They are big. They were like almost as big as a uh, Rigelian. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: good point. Yeah, so uh, what do you think of the artwork?
0: Uh, it's different. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike it, but it, is, it did take a little, it was a little of a shock at first, because it is... Quite different. It's almost cartoony styled, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but just different what I'm used to seeing in a Star Trek comic.
1: Yeah, I think it is inferior to Zercher's work, and definitely inferior to IDW work. But it's acceptable, except when uh, Javier's uh, artistry descends into uh, manga-esque, over the top stupid looking emotional emotional facial, facial expressions. expressions yeah i mean i kept on thinking every time i saw one of these and some some are really stupid looking uh, in my opinion. Uh, I th- I felt like I was watching a really bad episode of Speed Racer.
0: It was just like, just, <laughs> ah,
1: ah, ah, oh. You know, I, like,
0: I didn't like it. That didn't bother me that much. You can actually see a little more expression or, I mean, it's cartoony. So, I mean, it's not like a realistic picture of somebody surprised. But I kind of like the over-exaggerated bit to it. I mean, well, I don't think uh, he took it quite too far, but, I mean.
1: It's definitely uh, Um, cartoony. Well, let me just point out some examples of where I think it worked and where I thought it was stupid. And actually, many of my examples is actually in the next issue. But I think definitely when Kaj first recognizes Pike, there is a a scene where that is really narrow and focused on his eyes and, and teeth and mouth. And although this is not the worst example, it's pretty bad. Uh, and I think it's just, just. I mean, look at his eyes. I mean, forget about it. I mean, he's worse than what was the name of that Klingon with the huge bug eyes that was uh, in oh, Next that was, Generation? Uh, towards Galeron. Galron. Gallon. Galeron's eyes were just like, oh my God! I mean, it was cool and stuff in, in 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 the show, but this guy's eyes
0: are worse in this particular scene. Well, he's he's shocked. I mean, his his nemesis is right there I on the planet with agree. him. I agree.
1: I agree. That's fine. It's just over the top, and yeah. I'll. When we get to the next issue, I'll point out some spots where it's pretty bad.
0: Well, I mean, uh, Pike right underneath that when he's about to get stabbed and he says, Gosh, I mean, he's pretty overexaggerated yeah, he, too. It,
1: his eyes are, but at least the rest of his face isn't. Uh, I mean, his eyebrows and eyes definitely yes, but everything else looks reasonable. Uh, anyway, it's just personal preferences, right? Um,
0: no, I kind of dug it. I mean, it's a little different and not necessarily what you're used to, but it didn't it didn't take me out of the story at all. Yeah. Which which I was, I'll, I'll be honest I was a little worried when I first Started looking thumbing through the book and I'm like Yee, this is weird uh, <laughs> When I got to reading it, I mean But uh, I kind of dug it, I liked it
1: Well yeah, but I thought they were being different about The uh, storyline, not necessarily the artistry Because uh, another I, thing That kind of annoys me is uh, In the background as Kaj is attacking Pike, mm-hmm. you see the The native aliens And, and they're like look, Their faces are like in just incredible shock and like ah it's like come on these are supposed to be like uh like really nasty warrior people that like like rip people to shreds it's like well not everybody. These guys it, are like the, ah! well, know, this,
0: and they're finding out that they're aliens remember they yeah. they're very xenophobic so when they well, see that they, they're sitting there in the temple or whatever and there's two at least two aliens right there okay but I, i'd like to shock. also
1: ask how they know they're aliens
0: well they speaking in a different tongue, I guess
1: Well, okay, so that that, that gets to a, a general point Where it's just amazing how in Star Trek Everybody speaks English But, you know, when, this is, when they're first being attacked I mean, except for the Klingon knife Which may not be a common design I just don't know why it's so obvious to everybody Oh, they're aliens
0: but, Well, whatever. maybe it's not But plus, they're supposed to be in the temple, right? Aren't they? They're in a temple when, when all this goes down, right? Yep, 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 they are so maybe maybe they were planning on, you know, they're not used to seeing violence in in the temple. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I don't know that's how what, their church what, services go.
1: Yeah, that's why they that's why the guards are huge and have these massive staffs with all these blades on them. And the high priest wields the biggest staff with the biggest uh, blades of them all coming off of them. I don't know. It, it just seems like like they're presented as these badass uh, aliens and and all the
0: uh, the bystanders are like <gasps> <gasps> <sighs>
1: anyway, I'll,
0: I'll stop i'll stop no, i got you but in regards to like the language thing you notice that in that last panel where the warriors are about to overtake pike right, and the right the the knocked out kaj right their dialogue balloons have these little squares uh, kind of around them one of them's like yep White squares and one of them is red squares I'm wondering if that was supposed to Establish it's supposed to that it's a different. different language But that doesn't explain why everybody Every word balloon before that Has always been just normal Yep,
1: yep I mean uh, definitely If if the in disguise Klingon hottie Was supposed to be uh, Disguising herself a, a, as a local You'd think that, that that she would be Speaking the local language
0: But Well they would all have to Pike and everybody mm-hmm. else as well
1: yeah but not when they're talking to each other I mean when they're talking to her yes because for the most part I mean quite frankly uh the the uh, Pike and company I haven't seen them talk to any anybody else other than other than the girl so they were just talking to each other so you don't think part.
0: when when Boyce is walking down the hall, walking down the the market there he's not saying hi how's it going glad to see you
1: they didn't show that
0: I <laughs> know I'm being sarcastic, <laughs> but it's just assumed yeah, but, but, yeah, he's he's being pleasant to people and not just moping around wondering. Well, not if... only
1: that, I, I'd be interested. In, I mean, you think they're they're looking for Klingons, so you think they want to be talking to people too to kind of us, uh, you know? I don't know. They don't want to blow their cover, but they want to find Klingons. I mean, how the hell are you going to find Klingons the way they were doing it? They're just kind of like walking around. Well, you know? Yeah, and I, I had know how they that. were going to find Klingons in the first place that way.
0: Right. I had a note about that, actually, uh, why uh, they can't have tricorders. I mean, I understand why you yeah. can't just walk down the street carrying around a tricorder, but why couldn't you have one, duck into a building, do a exactly. scan of the immediate area, exactly. put it back in your pocket, and keep walking?
1: I agree, man. I was having the same thoughts.
0: So, real quick about these disguises. When when Kirk became a Romulan for that episode, uh, where they got the the cloaking device in the episode of Star Trek, the,
1: the Enterprise incident.
0: The Enterprise incident. Yeah. Oh yes. So. Oh yes. He became a Klingon. Did they just put makeup on him, or was it supposed to be they tinkered with his DNA to make him look Romulan? Because I thought that they were always tinkering with their DNA, and that's why it was always the Doctor that had to do it. I don't know. Because, I mean, Crusher was the one that made you know Data and Picard look like Romulans. Don't yep. even get me started on how they made Data look like a Romulan. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs>
1: it wasn't his DNA.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, so I always thought, you know, because the Doctor had to do it, McCoy had to do it to Kirk that – that it was some sort of like DNA thing, but I mean these guys are just ripping their faces off once they, yeah. they get inside or whatever. I mean she yeah, they, does Yeah they, and, the,
1: the, the, this, this is makeup. This is like Mission Impossible makeup or something because as we find out in the next episode, Pike's disguise is damaged from Kaj's attack.
0: Right, but I mean, I'm just saying then why did why was McCoy the best latex uh, <laughs> latex <laughs> applier on the whole ship? And why is Crusher the one doing it in the next gen? Yeah, good point. And I think the Doctor even does it in uh, Voyager a few times when they have think look, like, does. look like Borg or whatever. I think so. So anyways, I guess, you know, in the future, Doctors are not only Doctors, but they're also special effects artists. Exactly.
1: And, that, and by the way, that Voyager episode where they dressed up as Borg and went over, yeah. that was like, that was really hard to swallow.
0: Right, because it's the the little teaser at the beginning was showing them all being assimilated, and and, and and you know then the last shot is them walking out full Borg, on the Borg cube, and then you come to find out that, oh, they're just pretending.
1: Exactly. No. But it was a good teaser.
0: <laughs> I remember watching it, going, "What? Oh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah." So okay, okay, anyway, so
1: moving on to back back to this issue, I, I'm 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 not too happy with how much of a jerk they're making April.
0: I had a note of that too. He's completely out of character from what we've ever seen him before.
1: Which, quite frankly, I haven't seen him that much before. But um, well, I mean, in you've the, seen in him. In, I mean, he's
0: shown up a few times in this series, and he's usually yeah, but... the mentor to Pike.
1: Yeah. So uh, the the first time I remember is they were around the uh, the Enterprise.
0: Yeah, that was issue number um, one. And he there you go.
1: And and and, and that was very brief. They didn't talk all that much, but from what he talked, he exactly he like a mentor, seemed like a nice guy.
0: Right, and he was the one that recommended that you know, if you don't have a first officer yet, uh, I have a recommendation. And then the next mm-hmm. shot shows him talking to number one, so that implies that pa- uh, April obviously had a lot of respect for number one, and that's why yep. he recommended her. But that's all been forgotten. Yeah, in well, this issue. and then not not too many issues after that, uh, Yeoman Colt shows up on. Enterprise to replace um, that redheaded guy. I forgot his name. That died. Yep. Uh, and she was assigned there because she was recommended by Admiral April. April. Oh wow! And then here in this issue, that. he's tearing her down because she's so, you know, he's almost saying women shouldn't be on this ship. I mean, cause too he... many
1: women on this ship.
0: <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you put half of them there. <laughs> Good point. I I don't remember all that. Hmm. Yeah, the Colt thing I think was mentioned when she showed up in issue what three or four, and uh, Pike was all hateful to her because he was right. like, "I didn't even assign you here, and I'm going to kick you off the ship as soon as, as soon as I can because mm-hmm. you know you were assigned by April and not me, kind of thing." So, anyways, I just thought it was funny because he's complaining about all the women on the board and mainly referring to Sita number one and Colt, and and he was the one that got number one and Colt on the ship in the beginning. Right.
1: Yeah, but he likes Sita. Because is like kissing his ass from the beginning,
0: uh, especially in the next issue, which we'll get exactly. to exactly, big time.
1: Oh my! Excuse me, Cedar. Is is there something brown on your nose? Oh yes, yes there is. Anyway, that's the next issue. Yeah. It it, it annoys me a little bit how Carithia,
0: Cari, how she yeah. was
1: able to uh, just lock on the Pike right away. I mean, uh, it's like okay, so they didn't explain much about how, out of all the many thousands of people that were probably at Temple, how she was able to zoom in on Pike. Well, I think she was just
0: looking for somebody that was of a certain breeding and was also, you know, a little uncomfortable because he was, you know, like a pilgrim or something. So he wouldn't be quite familiar with, you know, because they wouldn't recognize that she's somebody brand new. I think that's why she was scoping out new people.
1: Oh, uh, that's all fine. It just... In the end, I think it's ex- incredibly unlikely, but it is, um, I guess, just as, uh, just as likely as Spock being on a nearby planet where young Spock maroons Kirk in Star Trek Eleven. So it's like, okay, fine. Sometimes you just got to do things to move the story along. I still say it's highly uh, hard to swallow for me anyway. <laughs> I think after Vulcan was destroyed... They were on the ship a little while traveling, before Kirk made his play to force Spock to listen to him, and get kicked off the ship. Right. I no, just, I, think, I, I just yeah. think there's a, there's a lot of things uh, in Star Trek Eleven you just got to go with because it just they had to do certain things to move the story along and they just didn't make all that much sense.
0: I totally agree with you. And and, and if if that planet was really that close to Vulcan that you could actually see it in the in the sky, Vulcan. Collapsing on itself, right? Uh, that planet would be hurting pretty bad too. I mean, probably. We're talking about if, if how would the moon react if Earth was suddenly blown up? I'm pretty sure it would not be good for the moon.
1: Probably not. And another thing is, on that entire moon, <laughs> the landing or the the escape pod happened to land close by um, to where Spock was, right? Or close hey. enough, anyway.
0: And we're talking about the the next planet over, which is clearly visible in the sky, blowing up, and the Federation outpost that's there has no idea. Because, I mean, when when they show up to see Scotty, he's, what, eating a sandwich or wanting a sandwich or something like that. Uh Not like, oh, my goodness, planet just blew up. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. He's like, "Eh, I wish I had a sandwich, and here's my Tribble in a cage. Anyways, we are way off subject.
1: Way off. So let's get back to it. So let's see what else. Just real quick
0: blah. about Carrie, or whatever. And I don't want to sound like a, you know, a little pervert here, but maybe she's the reason why I'm so lenient to uh, forgive this artwork. Because <laughs> 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 uh, there's a few times where she you're is good. looking good in that bikini. You ain't kidding. And you then you start thinking, oh man, she's just a drawing. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, I mean there's a there's a few shots with her when she's talking to Kaj, uh, when she first uh, reveals herself as being a Klingon agent that you're just right. like Yowza.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's pretty sweet. <laughs> and I and I, I will give Javier points for that one. He knows how to draw women.
0: I think that if if I'm not mistaken, he's really popular drawing Marvel uh, women characters like Black Cat and things like that. I mean, he's done a little bit of work for DC Comics. He did like a a Robin Year One, and he's done a lot of Human Target uh, issues. Uh-huh. But it seems like his main uh, expertise is doing uh, women superheroes. I think he did some Catwoman stuff too, good. which, which I mean, maybe he's good at it.
1: Yeah, I, I just have one or two more little points. Yeah, cool. Towards the end of the issue just before Kaj goes postal and attacks uh, Pike, I think uh, Kaj's tunic looks like Thor's outfit. But I was looking at it, it looked like Thor's uh, tunic. Just before he goes postal towards the end.
0: Yeah, because he has the red cape and the capes attached by those two golden um, circles.
1: Huge rivets. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess so. It's not really a cape. It looks more like a shawl of some sort. Like a, right. Like a high collar.
1: Right, like 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 a mink stole or something, (laughs) but 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 from that angle, it does. It looks like Thor's outfit. It does indeed. Uh, I kind of liked how at least they recognized a little bit of uh, maybe realism uh, in that um, they they depicted Pike as feeling some pain from his hand when he when he knocked Kaj in the jaw. So uh, you you notice that Wharf when he fought. Uh, whenever he hit somebody, he hit them uh, with his, with the bottom part of his palm, open palm. He never punched anybody. At least I don't think he ever punched anybody. Uh, generally speaking, he used the uh, bottom part of his open palm to right. uh, knock knock people, yeah. uh, which is a lot less damaging to your body than a traditional punch. So I thought that was kind of uh, nice, making it look a little bit more realistic
0: that way anyway. No, that's a good point. But on that same picture where Pike's hurting his hand, uh, right. I, I did have a comment about Spock. Um that helmet that he's wearing, I guess to hide mm-hmm. his ears. Mhm. Um doesn't that look like a an old school Romulan helmet that the Sentorians oh, would wear?
1: Perhaps. It looks like a looks like it looks like a shark fin on the top.
0: <laughs> looks like the rocketeers had a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Only definitely a hat, not a helmet. Right. Not a bronze golden helmet. Yeah, that's really all a hat I had on this one.
0: Right? The the other thing I had which I thought maybe you were going to mention when you were talking about hands was, was Kaj's hand. Uh, his right hand is supposed to be crippled or, or broken in some way. But, I mean, it always shows it in shadow in all these pictures and he's never actually using it but it doesn't look as bad as the he was depicted when, he, when we first saw him. Because mm-hmm. when we first saw him wasn't it like actually in like a little sling or something? Like, like he could not use it at all. But every time yeah. we've seen him since then, he's he's always been able to use it. It's just kind of, I guess, well, oh, maybe not as strong as the other hand,
1: right? But he uh, he does favor it. And actually, now that you bring that up, I am uh, I'm going to be paying close attention to the next issue because Kaj definitely goes into big time action there.
0: But in that one, he actually mentions it. He mentions that you know he has the injured hand, and uh, I think he actually blames Pike for it for some way. I can't remember. I'd have to look. So let's get into the next issue, which unfortunately is the last issue of this series. Sorry, Ken. All right, so this is uh, Early Voyages, number 17, uh, June 1998, and titled Nemesis. Um, I'll go ahead and read the credits. The writers were Dan Abnett and Ian Edkinton. Pencilers Javier uh, Pulido, is that how you pronounced it earlier?
1: I did uh, Javier Pulido.
0: Javier Pulido. Okay. But I really don't know if I'm right or not. Okay. Uh, inkers, Steve Moncruz. Colorist, Marie Jarvins. Letterer, uh, Janice Chang and Human Touch. High Priestess, Bobby <laughs> Chase, which I thought was funny. Uh, Editor-in-Chief, Bob Harris. And a new credit, Warlord of Planet Ocea, Chip <laughs> Carter. <laughs> so Who the hell Bobby- that? Bobby Chase, I know, is the editor, but I don't know who Chip Carter is and how he got the prestigious title of Warlord of Planet Ocea. Good question. Anyways. All right, so we get into the story. Uh, Cover has Pike, Spock, and the Klingon. Her name earlier, her pretend name was Carathea, but we find out that her name is Verka. Um, in some odd clothing, but with no ha- alien headgear. So they're still wearing their costumes, but they don't have the heads on anymore, which will be explained shortly. All right, so we get into the story. They're on the home world, and they're in the middle of a huge bar fight, uh, one that rivals the bar fight on Rigel 7 that we saw in Early Voyages Number 3. I mean, this, this bad boy <laughs> is huge. All right, so Pike, Boy, Spock, and the Klingons are fighting the uh, Timazi warriors that look a lot like the Predators. Um, A a warrior is about to kill Pike when Kaj jumps up and stabs the warrior in the back saying, No one kills him but me. As Pike walks away, Kaj takes a chance on killing him right then and there, but Verka stops him saying, Only a fool fights in a burning house. Uh, Kaj, who we learn is actually Kaj, son of Torg, and Pike agree to work together. Due to the damage to their costumes, they decide to remove the makeup and they, so they no longer look like the locals. So everybody knows they're aliens from this point forward. Uh, as they're walking out, a shadowy masked figure watches them, talking to himself and saying, Run while you can. You are all dead men. So and, uh, again, has the we- weird uh, word balloon, so I'm assuming that this is actually in the Timzy language and not translated English from the Universal Translators. Back in orbit, uh, the Enterprise is attempting to contact the Klingon ships that showed up. Uh, the Klingon commander, Karg, honestly states that they are there just to retrieve the advanced weapons that, there's, that were supposed to be left by the uh, advanced beings uh, over a millennia ago. April advises Number One to get a weapons lock on the Klingons. Number One says that she is in command and he is there as just an observer. Uh, stating that they are there only to rescue Pike and not to start a war with the Klingons. Uh, Karg announces that they will be uh, destroying the whole planet to keep the rogue Klingon force to obtain the weapons, which is Kaj's force. They're, they're actually a rogue Klingon force and not, uh, not part of the Empire, uh, which will be explained later. Number one claims that they will stop them and the communications link is broken. Meanwhile, on the surface, the masked character that we saw earlier is shown awakening a large robotic insect uh, to attack the off-worlders. Back on the street, Kaj explains to Pike that why he hates him so much. It seems that the loss uh, to Pike in issue number two was enough for his political rivals to take all his power away due to the loss and also his uh, crippled hand. Pike exclaims that that can't be his fault when suddenly they're attacked by these giant robot caterpillar things. Uh, Kaj attacks the robots head-on, stating that he wants Pike to know that he owes his life to a better man. So Kaj jumps onto one of the robots, and then he attacks. And then the others start attacking Kaj, but accidentally kill the other robot. And he actually rolls underneath another one and is somehow able to rip out its guts, and then it causes this huge explosion. So all this happens while Pike and the other ones are heading towards the Klingon shuttle, and then they witness the explosion um, in the background and exclaim, He did it! Uh, and then they leave, and we get a close-up of the crater, and we hear a weird sound effect, and I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, but it's... Shulink! No, there's no one there. All right. Meanwhile, the Enterprise is actually in battle now with the uh, the Klingon ships. When Tyler is getting a reading of two more ships heading to the surface, one Klingon shuttle is uh, and an unidentified craft, which we know is one of these robotic caterpillar things. Uh, he does state that he's reading human life signs on the shuttle, on the Klingon shuttle, and then the Klingon ships uh, break off their. Con- uh, conflict with the Enterprise to try to intercept the smaller craft. Uh, in the shuttle, Pike and Verka uh, are being chased, like I said, by the Caterpillar robot. Uh, Dr. Poise looks very worried and tells Pike that he is the best captain in Starfleet, and he trusts that Pike will get them out of this. Meanwhile, uh, they keep dodging the robot craft, and the Klingons start opening fire since they think it's Kaj on the ship, because uh, they don't know that he's already dead. Uh, the, the, the robot then mistakes the Klingons for trying to attack them, and then they destroy the um, Klingon battlecruisers. April orders Mohindis, Sita Mohindis, to fire a full spread of torpedoes on the unidentified craft. Number one chastises April for uh, overstepping his boundaries, uh, and orders Sita to belay that order. But Sita informs her that the torpedoes are already away. Number One continues to confront April, stating that the shockwave from the torpedoes will swamp the shuttle and the Enterprise itself. The torpedoes do make contact with the alien craft, and the explosion engulfs the ship and uh, the shuttle and throws debris of the Klingon ship towards the Enterprise. Uh, Tyler reports that they have lost all contact with the shuttle, and the bridge section of the Klingon cruiser smashes into the uh, saucer section of the Enterprise. We see Number One falling and hitting her head on a railing. And then we cut to some time later, Tyler is giving a pretty hefty status report to April that there were two dead, 67 injured, multiple system failures, and no sign of the shuttle. And then the last frame shows a stretcher taking uh, number one's lifeless body off the bridge. And there's a little blurb that says, to be continued. I don't think it actually says that. But uh, it basically says, and I will read it because I thought it was actually kind of funny. Yes. Next, what happens will sadly be a mystery because this issue is the last. Yes. So we will never know what happens
1: t f
0: Yes, man. How could they end it? Big cliffhanger. You almost wish that they wouldn't have released these last two and maybe just ended it on you know the the end of the future shock type- episode, uh story arc.: Yeah,
1: almost because you would have wondered what was the secret mission Pike and Spock went on?:
0: Exactly. And I have a list and and you can add to this list, but here are the unresolved storylines. Uh, Pike, Spock, and Boyce's whereabouts mm-hmm. number one's condition what was that weird sound after Kaj killed the worm and did he live uh, do the aliens send another attack ship to attack the Enterprise or were they? would they be satisfied that the shuttle was destroyed uh, how will the Klingons take the attack meaning the, the Klingon Empire that they've lost uh, a couple of battle cruisers and what was the mysterious message that was bugging Boyce so much? Exactly. Uh, any, any other ones that you can think of? Aside from, you know, the, whole, the Colt-Tyler uh, relationship yeah, thread I, that's I been going Yeah, I can hear on. less about that.
1: Well, what, what, did, did you mention uh, the Pike-Kathia, um, or whatever her real name is? Oh, no.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't mention that.
1: There's another possibility. And as far as the noise after Kaj died... Um I thought that was one of the one of the bug guys actually still surviving and coming up from the ashes. And I thought that was the one that went after um those guys in space. Oh. The shuttle okay. in space. That's what I thought that was.
0: No, yeah, I could totally see that. I just assumed that it was supposed to be open-ended that maybe cuz someone oh, survived. survived. But I mean, but that is a huge explosion. When you see that when they're looking back at the city. Oh, he- Oh yeah. And I mean you can see some of these like skyscrapers actually shattering. Yep. So uh, it... Well
1: and let me just say that <laughs> um this is supposed to be a super advanced race that left some kind of super weapon behind and it turns out to be some mechanical shrimp. That was a little disappointing when I when I saw that was it. Okay. So this super uh, this super uh weapon from some incredibly advanced race and you come up with something that is a convenient mechanical contrivance to cause uh, peril for our uh, captain and, and, and company. It was like, very disappointing. How weak. But then the thing can fly, and apparently it can survive a huge explosion like that. Uh, I guess it is kind of it. And it can take out two Klingon cruisers? Wow, I guess it is advanced.
0: I really thought that, that one that was chasing them was yet another one. But, well, it might have been another one, but I thought it was. Uh... But no, you're right. I mean, it it can take out two Klingon cruisers that just happened to, uh, you know, attack close to it. But it it never could take out the shuttle. I mean, the shuttle's leaving orbit. It's like maybe yeah. hundred feet right behind it, exactly. shooting, <laughs> but the shuttle's able to dodge it. Right. But these two Klingon cruisers show up and he's able to take out those Klingon cruisers with one shot each really. Yeah. But uh but that's being a little nitpicky.
1: That is being nitpicky. So know. so so you're objecting to the story being convenient for what they wanted to say without it being logical?
0: I it doesn't bother me that much. I mean, I've I've watched <laughs> a lot of old Star Trek and and they got a lot of <laughs> it, a lot of it there too. Exactly. Deep space I mean uh Next Generation is, not, is, is pretty guilty of that as well. Yeah.
1: One thing I always I disliked, uh, one bit of non-continuity that they really just paid attention to when it was convenient is how, you know, everybody's supposed to be stronger than humans. They live longer, they're stronger, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, when it comes down to a fight, usually, you know, somehow, you know, the humans are supposed to be able to fight these huge temple guards. I mean, look, look at the beginning of this, uh, of this issue. I mean, it shows, uh, uh, it shows Pike with one of these huge guys, uh, and, and Pike's holding their arms, and, and their ha- his hands are like a of the size of these guards' hands. It's like, come on. How are you going to fight that?
0: Yeah, the guards have these, like, sickles in their hands and, yep. and could easily just take off Pike's head. Exactly. But he's able to just, like, hold on to his elbows and, and keep them <laughs> at bay. Exactly.
1: So, uh, but you know, sometimes they're big and strong; you can't beat them. And other times, it's like, ah, eh, no problem. It's a it's a normal fight.
0: But no, I totally agree with you. And I always thought they depowered humans way too much in all the series. I mean, yeah. Vulcans are smarter. Vulcans have you know these telepathic powers. Klingons are you know super tough and can live obviously really long longer than humans can, which I thought's funny. But you know, because they keep bringing back these. Klingons from the original series and like Deep Space Nine and stuff and oh, you're like right. dude that guy would be like 200 years old and right. he's still fighting but anyways that's again being nitpicky but, but, but yeah right I, I, always, I always thought that they always depowered humans too much Yeah. but I guess they were supposed to be crafty that even though they weren't as powerful they were able to do something gimmicky and defeat the Gorn or whoever it was that was <sighs> exactly. obviously stronger than him. Anyways, what would you think of this overall story, though? I mean, considering that it's part two of a three- or four-part series that we'll never get into. I thought
1: the story was good. Uh, I was surprised how Kaj did what he did. I totally, I totally out
0: understand of- the, the, tr- the stopping the warrior from killing. I mean, I say I understand. It's a very often used uh, plot device where your villain – will stop another villain from killing your hero because he wants to be the one that kills him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't dislike it, but, I mean, Lex Luthor does it all the time, and Skeletor did it to He-Man all the time, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep thinking, I was like, if you really hate the guy that much, why don't I kill think, him. I think you would let whoever kills him kill him. Yeah. But, but anyways.
1: I just got to say that there are so many stupid, stupid manja looks in this particular issue. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, especially again, uh, this, just this just examples. There's a really stupid one, where there where where the guards about to kill uh, Pike. You mentioned it before, and and K- K- uh, Kithia, or whatever her name is and uh, Boyce are like reacting to it. It's like my God, could her mouth be any bigger? I mean, she looks like one of those blow up uh, you know porno dolls or something. It's ridiculous, ridiculous, stupid manja look.
0: Ah, uh, see, I don't. It's different. I wouldn't say stupid. Uh, I mean, it's different. It's a different art style. But I, I don't know. I like okay, it. So, I mean, so, I, I like I, I like it for for being different. I mean. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, um, a few pages later, the the other Klingon on the on the two um, large ships, Karg. Uh, there's a spot where he's like uh, saying, "My ships will burn each and every population center on the planet until the cache is destroyed." <sighs> You know, it's like his, his, his eyes are like uh, just doing weird things and his his mouth is open. You can see all the saliva dripping from the top of his teeth. It's like, ah, oh, geez, give me a break. Over the top. <laughs> Although I will say that on the same page at the bottom when the two battle cruisers are coming at the Enterprise, uh, they've got Joe and they show just his eyes right. that are, you know, pretty good size. And he's saying, here they come when they're coming to attack him. Yeah, so uh, it's a close
0: up okay. of his eyes and then in the background you get number 1's chest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it wasn't that part I was talking about. But but the part that you're you're seeing just from uh you know, just his eyes and some sweat on his forehead and stuff. Now that worked. I like that. That that was good. It showed that he was uh pretty um pretty nervous about this battle. So that that, that was good. That was good. But on the same page you got you got Karg doing some Whatever the hell
0: it is. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't like I said, I, I kinda liked it. I mean yeah. Yeah. It, it's a different it's a different take on the characters and it's a different way to express what's going on. So but I get I get what you're saying. But the one the one picture that I thought was a little odd was when the the monster ship is shooting on the shuttle mm-hmm. and you see this shot where you have Pike piloting And the Klingon woman sitting next to him. And she looks a little different than she did last issue. I don't know what changed. But then in the background, you have I mean, but her eyes, she doesn't have any pupils. They're just white. And then in the background, you have uh, Boyce with like his hand over his eyes or something like that. Ah! (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And he's like peeking through his fingers. (laughs) I just thought that was was just an odd posing. It, it, It is.
1: Everybody's got their eyes closed, it looks like almost.
0: Oh, maybe they were shielding themselves and getting ready to die. I don't know.
1: Are they going really fast or something? I don't know.
0: I don't know. But it just seems odd that Boyce is there like, we're going to die. And then he's like, <laughs> Captain Pike, I just want you to know that you're the best captain in Starfleet. And uh, if anybody can get us out of it, it will be you. <laughs> Thanks for pep talking. Let me hide under my hand again. <laughs> yeah, I'm really wondering what, what was it that he was keeping secret? And and did this scene have some bearing in it? Like, was he about to say, yeah, I thought tell he him what to. it was, and then it was like, oh, well, I'll distract him from saving us, so I better keep my mouth closed.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <clears throat> maybe his dad really did get kidnapped by, or was really dying. Because remember, a few issues back, the Klingons yep. used yep. that as a ploy. Maybe, maybe this time his dad really did die, and he's been not wanting to tell Pike.
1: Exactly, before they go on the... Uh... Dangerous mission,
0: right? But we'll never know.
1: No, we won't. Now that there's another thread for you. Oh, you mentioned well, the yeah, about mean, what was I mentioned what, what Boyce's
0: big secret was. Theoretically, saying what it was.
1: Yep. Cita turned out to be a uh, little scheming kiss butt.
0: You think so? I think she's just. That's what she, you know. She's he is the commanding officer, so I can see why she would have done it. Well, I no, mean, he told no, her no. to fire torpedoes. She he, fired them.
1: She is the, he is the highest rank, but she's the commanding officer. She is the captain.
0: Yeah, I know. She but has the con. I, I, I know that, but if your boss's boss's boss is there <laughs> and gives you an order... Yeah, uh, you're probably going to go by You're going to be a little prone to just go ahead and do it, especially if you're in the middle of a big battle.
1: Yep. Captain's a captain, though. Who's sitting in the con is sitting in the con. And I'll also say that ever since um, in the, a few issues ago when uh Cedar was saying, "Well, I guess we'll have to get a new name for you now." And that really pissed off number 1. Mm-hmm. I think um I think there's little uh little competitive uh catfight under the surface between those two. Really? I okay. I, I didn't see that, so. but
0: okay. I think so. I think at least I
1: think it's that they're trying to build that up anyway.
0: All right. Uh one thing on Kaj being depowered after his loss in issue number 2. Mhm. Uh later he There's that whole Harvest Planet storyline, and doesn't he have, like, a lot of troops and ships and stuff like that in that fight? So why would he still have all that power if him losing in that nebula—well, which battle is he talking about that caused him to lose all his power? Was it the the Dilithium Crystal one or the Harvest Planet one?
1: I thought it was the Harvest Planet one. Oh,
0: okay. All right, maybe you're right. I just assumed that it was the Dilithium Crystal one, but— which would have been his first encounter with him, but, but maybe exactly. you're right. Maybe it was that. Because he well, killed a whole bunch of his own people, right, at, on that Harvest planet. He, he just said, find Pike and then just start shooting your disruptors onto the planet at that spot and kill everybody, even right. even my troops that are there. Yep. So I guess I could see how uh, the Klingon Empire would not be too happy with him after that.
1: And that's why he lost his power, and that's why he shoot, he's uh, moving around in a shuttle. But, of course, he also was probably undercover, too, so...
0: Right. And then he's trying to get some big robotic bugs so they can win favor.
1: Exactly. Big robotic bugs that look like shrimp. Right.
0: So, that was really all I had for this issue. Uh, I just have one last thing to talk about, about it being canceled, but I'll wait uh, to see if you have anything else first.
1: Oh, I just wanted to say it was uh, kind of stupid where the... um, (laughs) <laughs> where the front portion of the Klingon cruiser just happened to hurl and bump into the saucer section of the Enterprise, I thought that was kind of
0: not bumping; it smashes into it. Yep. Ah, yep.
1: And but you I mean... would think, in reality, well, okay, a couple of things. Little little thing about physics and inertia. If two vessels got hit like that, I mean, I think you'd go way flying, and I think the whole ship would be ripped to shreds. Personally, but.
0: Well, she was able to get shields up. I mean, they saw it coming.
1: How could they miss it? <laughs> I mean, look, at, that's a big part of the frickin' ship. Right. Fracking ship.
0: But, it, I mean, it, it it puts a good dent in it. You see it there on the next page. It, oh, I
1: see it. I'm just surprised it didn't, like, take out half of the saucer section.
0: Yeah. I, I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, I thought you were going to complain that it was just the, the bridge section that, that hit it. That was no, just no, out no, there no. floating around. But, I mean, when the the alien shot the the Klingon ship, you can oh, see yeah. that it took out that little yep. neck, neck part, so it kind of right. made sense why the bridge would just be floating around. But yeah, it would have been cool if the, the bridge just like fused into the... <laughs> not, not fused, but you know, when it collided they actually kind of crumpled into each other, similar to And then they uh, all died. Similar to Star Trek Nemesis, where, uh, you know, she's on ship and the Enterprise, when they collided, it was actually like, you know, they basically tore each other up. It wasn't kind of one-sided. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, and of course, it it hit the side of the saucer section, so it was nowhere near the bridge. No. Where the impact was. But
0: but. you would think that there would be people there, though.
1: Oh, yes. No doubt about it. It's just not where the bridge is. No. Uh, Which, of course, always fascinated me how it would be in one of... (laughs) They would locate the bridge in one of the most exposed parts of the ship. But,
0: hey! So that if you're looking at the top of the Enterprise, it's a nice little bullseye.
1: You ain't kidding. (laughs) <laughs> you ain't kidding no that's true yeah did did i mention i i might have mentioned this before but um they mentioned something similar to that in the uh in the halo novels oh really where even the uh earth ships in that they because of tradition they put the bridge on the top of the ship where the Covenant, they 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 put the bridge in the middle of the ship most protected place.
0: It makes sense. I mean, unless you're needing the uh, windows to kind of get a panoramic view of what's ahead of you, then, then there's which, no reason to have it up on top.
1: Which is an interesting point. In the original Star Trek, those were view screens. They never had any windows. That's right. But in the new movie, Star Trek movie, they got windows. Were they windows or was it still they a view screen? They were windows. No, they were windows, man. Which mm-hmm. is really weird. Because, uh, you know... It, a couple times, especially towards the end, they you know all the stresses of trying to get away from the black hole. Oh, and it
0: cracks. That's right. And
1: it starts cracking. It's like, oh, oh my lord.
0: <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think that that was a. I thought that was the view screen cracking, but I guess you're right.
1: No, there were some scenes they shot of the bridge from outside looking into the ship through the through the, the windshield. I will show. I will call it the windshield. And uh, I was thinking, oh, that doesn't seem very realistic. Anyway,
0: mm. all right. I agree with you, but I mean, but in the first pilot, the cage. You remember they had that shot where it shows the Enterprise, and then it kind of pans up over, and then you oh. see the bridge, <laughs> and then it kind of pans into the bridge. Oh yeah. yeah. So I mean, that kind of implied that that was a window, even back it then. It wasn't a window. Come on. You could see inside when. Well,
1: I know, but that I don't think they meant to insinuate that the whole top of it was uh, clear glass or something.
0: Yeah. I'll have to watch the, the remastered episode of The Cage and see if they cleaned that up. Because, I mean, I thought that was a pretty cool effect way back when, but it, they didn't quite pull it off. Uh, but I wonder if the, the remastered ones with the new special effects looked better. I don't know, man. I don't recall. I will look. All right, you so the last die. thing I had was the little announcement at the end where it says this is the last issue, and it said, Attention Subscribers. After this issue, your subscription will be transferred to Iron Man. And I remember reading that, going, "Really? If I just bought, if I just paid twenty bucks or whatever it was for a subscription to Star Trek, is Iron Man really a good substitute?" I mean, Hell why, no. Why wouldn't they give them an option? You know, hey, you're uh, you're going to be canceled, so please let us know what issue, what series you want to be transferred to right instead of just flat out saying you're going to iron man and doing it actually in the issue and not in like some sort of letter that came with came with <laughs> your last came with the issue yeah well but anyways I but agree. yeah shortly after this uh this came out in what june or no this came out in yeah june and then in july was the last last time uh marvel had any uh star trek comic books so a few issues got released in july and then and then that was it for their, for their license, which was sad. Didn't get picked up again until 2000 when, when it went over to Wildstorm. Wildstorm! Yeah, which at that time was already a DC Comics subsidiary, so basically just went back from back from Marvel to DC. Oh, there but, you go. but it was the Wildstorm. All right, anything else for you? No. All right, so just real quick on the elsewhere in uh, Star Trek. This was, what, June, May and June? Season 6 of Deep Space Nine and Season 4 of Voyager finished uh, in June. So there was the season finales were, were then. Uh, we were getting ready for Star Trek uh, Insurrection to come out in December. And what else was going on as far as novels go? In May, uh, William Shatner's, I guess, third novel, Spectre, came out. Um, and, and the one that I wanted to talk about is the Star Trek The Next Generation novel, Planet X which uh, was the novel story of X-Men and Star Trek The Next Generation crossing over. (laughs) (laughs) Which I have. I've read maybe half of it, but I can never finish it because, I don't know, reading Star Trek and X-Men crossed over on a comic book seemed, you know, it seemed to work. But when I'm reading it in a novel, it's just like, I don't know. I don't really need Jordy to try to explain how... Nightcrawler can jump through space. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like like it just works better in a comic book because it's you know faster paced and you're not reading page after page of them trying to psychoanalyze the X-Men's powers. But maybe one day I'll get around to reading it. It's by Michael Jan Friedman and I really like him. Oh, yeah. yeah, All right. So that was in May. In June, uh, we had the the pocket started a series called The Captain's Table which was kind of each. There were six books and each book dealt with a different captain from one of the different star Trek, um, franchises. Um, so in June it was, uh, book number one, which was war dragons, which I think is a, uh, Kirk one. And then, uh, book number two, which was the horde, which was by Michael Jan Freeman. And I think that was the next generation, but, uh, Pike actually got his own novel, uh, in September of that year which was called Where Sea Meets the Sky and I'm actually halfway through that one I started reading it the other day because we're about to finish up Pike's comic book life and I was gonna read what his novel life looked like so uh, next week when we record I'll have that finished and I can let you know how it goes it's uh, a little disconcerting because they you know, obviously it's a different continuity than what these comic books were but you gotta live with it. Alright, so that's it Speaking of continuity... Yep,
1: The next issue has some, or next episode has some interesting issues.
0: Yes, it does. So we finished off Marvel's uh, take on Captain Pike. So we're going to jump to some more recent comics, uh, IDW's uh, uh, take on Captain Pike. So next week we're going to read Star Trek Captain's Log, Pike. Which was like a one shot And then we're going to start on Star Trek Crew Which was a five part miniseries Which uh, is, is actually pretty good It doesn't deal with Pike so much as number one to, yeah. Not to give away spoilers But obviously Pike plays a pretty big part in the overall series Have you started oh. any of those yet? Not to, not to be spoiler or anything
1: um, I've just looked over them briefly I've not started reading any of them But I shall soon
0: Nice, all right. Well, that being said, uh, any closing thoughts?
1: My closing thought is that um, next issue or next uh, episode will be our one year anniversary of recording the podcast, huh?
0: Pretty nice, huh so that's we,
1: that's that, that's you know that's that's important.
0: So we started fifty two weeks ago, and we will have twenty episodes done. so not quite one a week, but L- little less not than quite. half. Little less than half. That's not too bad. Yeah. And considering that, you know, to be honest, none of them have actually been posted anywhere except <laughs> a, a few videos. But I'll have to look on the on YouTube again. Bye, everybody. See you
1: next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios, Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star t comic book review at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name st comic second name book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.